Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm Mariah. And this is Ghoulish Gals Podcast. Let's go. We're back with <laughs> the axe murderer of New Orleans part <laughs> two. Um, this part's a lot more serious. There's right. like some really serious parts, but there's also some not so serious parts. Okay, so last week at the end of part one, we had talked about sorry, pregnant brain, hold on. <laughs> uh, we had left off with Joseph Romano. Yeah. Was the last one we had talked about. And then I briefly talked about the Cordomiglias just to give like a slight trigger warning because mm-hmm. unfortunately their two-year-old daughter Mary does not make it. Yeah. I will give you three choices. Uh-oh. Okay. Do you want to hear the letter first things first? Do you want to hear it after the Cordomiglias because that's when it actually gets like sent to the press or do you want to hear it at the very end? After the Cordomiglias. Okay. We'll just go down the timeline of it right. then. So, because I need to know what this letter says. <laughs> <laughs> the Cordomiglia attack was like the fifth attack, and it was March 10th of 1919. So, how many days after Romano was that? Or was that a, a while? I don't think it was like a super long time. Um, Sorry. I, no, just, you're I good. need to get back on the timeline. <laughs> you're good. That is why I left my old notes down here. Um, so Joseph Romano was August 10th of 1918. Oh, oh, so it's been a hot minute. Oh, so he went like almost, what is that? Is that six months? September, October, November, December, January, February, March, seven days. We left off. We're in a huge panic. And then all of a sudden the attacks just stopped. Oh yeah. Because everybody was like t- calling the police and saying they had seen. Yep. Okay. Yep. And then I'm the back. retired I'm detective, back. um, had given like his profile or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So... The Cordomiglia family was Charles, um, his wife, Rosie, and their two-year-old daughter, Mary. Um, Charles was an Italian grocer, like many of the other victims. And they lived not in New Orleans, but they actually lived in Gretna, which is just across the Mississippi River. I know he's the axe man of New Orleans, but he did stray out of New Orleans. Like suburbs of New Orleans. A little bit, yeah. This attack happened in the early morning. Um, And all of a sudden, neighbors are hearing screaming coming from the Cordomiglia home. So 69-year-old neighboring grocer, Lorlando Giordano, he runs to investigate. And he finds that all three of them have unfortunately been attacked. So Rosie woke up. She sees Charles struggling with a very large man wielding an axe. And Charles falls to the floor. The attacker then turns to Rosie, who is clutching their daughter, begging for their lives. And unfortunately, huge trigger warning. He brings the ax down on them both. Um, So Lorlando gets there and finds Charles lying in a pool of his own blood. And Rosie is standing in the doorway with a serious head wound. Again, trigger warning. This is the only time I have to say it so much. She is unfortunately clutching the body of her two-year-old. The couple was rushed to the hospital. Both of them had skull fractures, but Charles was actually released after only two days. Really? He must have done a pretty good job, like, fighting off the attacker, and maybe he fell and hit his head, and the attacker, you know, kind of was like, ah, whatever. Rosie, however, had to remain in the hospital, and I can only imagine you've woken up, you've gone through all this, and you have a skull fracture. I Yeah. mm. And so... 
I will say this was one of the harder ones for me to research, not because yeah. of the name, but because it's it gets it's kind of funky. So, okay. Yeah, I'm sorry about this. Okay, it's it's funky. So the police searched the Cordomiglia home and they found a bloody axe mm-hmm. on the back porch, killer's MO. Um, a panel of the door had been removed mm-hmm. and nothing was stolen. So far, it's matching the MO. Right. Now, when Rosie regained consciousness, so this is what I originally found before I did more digging, because something about this case, this specific attack did not sit right with me. Mm-hmm. So what I originally found was that when she regained her consciousness, she had said that the neighboring grocer and his 18-year-old son, Frank, had attacked them. That's the Giordano's. So the 69-year-old man who ran over and found them. So the Giordano's had recently taken the Cordomiglias to court over a business dispute. Oh. So there's that. That's not a good look. No. I will say that. Unfortunately, they were arrested by the Gretna police chief, Peter Leeson, and the Gretna sheriff, Luis Marrero. Now, the thing that really struck me as odd about this specific attack was that Lorlando was a 69-year-old man. Mm-hmm. How many 69-year-old men do you know that are just attacking people with an axe? Not a lot. Okay. And it was noted that his health was poor at the time. And Frank, yeah, how are you gonna- his 18-year-old son. So you know how I told you um, last week how, like, everybody reported that the axe man was, like, a big man. Yeah. So I found it weird that he was like slipping through panels on the door. That's yeah. weird. Frank was frankly just far too big to fit. He was six foot tall and over 200 pounds. How are you going to fit? You can't fit through a panel in the door. For reference, I'm 5'11", and with this pregnant belly, 196 pounds. You're not fitting through a panel in the door He either. was bigger than me. Now, granted, he could have been super muscular. He was 18. Regardless... I don't see him fitting through a panel in a door. It just doesn't make sense to me. Now, you know, they were arrested. And that just had me questioning, why? Why were they arrested? What evidence was there aside from the, like, court case for a business dispute? Mm -hmm. So this is why I went down a little rabbit hole, okay? There was actually literally no evidence while the Cordomiglias were in the hospital, and poor Rosie, of course, got the brunt of this because she was in the hospital much longer than Charles, the police kept coming in and questioning them, um, almost like badgering them is what it seems like. Now, I'm no police officer, but I know you're not really supposed to lead the conversation yeah. like this. No. They would ask things like, who hit you? Was it the Giordanos? And Frank did it, didn't he? Okay, I understand the first one, who hit you. The other two are very much, they had an agenda and they wanted, yeah. Yeah. So initially, according to the doctor that apparently treated Rosie the entire time she was in the hospital, Rosie had always maintained she did not know who had attacked her. However, once she was released from the hospital, she was arrested by the what? sheriff, Moraro, uh, as a material witness. 
And after he arrested her, he incarcerated her in the Gretna jail. She was only released after she had signed an affidavit implicating the Giordanos in the attack. Oh, my God. Yes. What? Yes. Yes. They would never get away with that today. So I, well, I disagree, but we will leave that there. They do a lot of shit. They shouldn't. Um, However, I do get more into like possible reasons for this, but it is a little bit later right now. I'm just keeping it this and then we'll get into it. So Charles adamantly denied that it was the Giordano's. And I think what they were doing with Rosie was just preying on her. Yeah. And the fact that... It was vulnerable. Exactly. She just had a skull fracture, lost her child, Mm -hmm. was in the hospital for who knows how long. Now, sadly, the Giordanos were arrested with murder charges, and eventually they were found guilty. For real? Mm Mm-hmm. So Frank was sentenced to hang, (gasps) and Lorlando was sentenced to life in prison. Which, again, this is like 1919, 19. you know, so. They still are doing it. That's insane. Yeah. It, on what? Like, how? I'll get into it. Don't worry. All right. All right. So after the trial um, in which they were convicted, Charles actually divorced Rosie. Allegedly. Know. That's what I found in all the sources. Um, he allegedly divorced her. However, nine months later, Rosie went to the Times Picayune, um, the the newspaper, yeah. and retracted her testimony. She said that Saint Joseph had come to her in a dream and told her that she needed to tell the truth. So she signed another. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I was doing so good, not laughing, keeping it straight. I'm sorry, but really, <laughs> yep. Yep. What did you say? Nine months later. Yep. Yep. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna make an excuse be, about so right. Like I understand you're probably scared, and it's a scary situation. But come on, I don't know. I just I don't know. All I've right. never been in her situation. I don't want to judge. Hopefully, I never have to be in her situation. Sorry. Continue. So she signed another affidavit saying that she hadn't seen her attackers. And she had been pressured into saying that it was the Giordanos. I didn't find anything uh, saying that, like, it was the police who had pressured her into saying it was the Giordanos. But given the previous information, I think that's a pretty safe bet. I'm sure they weren't going to go out and publicly announce that, yeah, we pressured her into it. Right. Like, they're not going to do that. So... Since her claim was the only real evidence against them, they were released. However, after her um, claim, it took a few more months. They were not released until December of 1920. Oh, they didn't hang Frank right away then? No. Uh, Oh, that's good. And so after the Cordomigli attack, that's when the letter was received. Are you ready to hear the letter? Oh, my God. I'm so ready. (laughs) I'm going to do my best. It's it's something. Okay. So... The Times Picayune, it was like addressed to the Times, and they received it on March 14th of 1919. Oh, by the way, it's like, it's long. It's like almost a whole page Holy front and back. Shit. It's long. Um, so it, it reads, hell, March 1319. Esteemed mortal. They have never caught me, and they never will. They have never seen me, for I am invisible. 
even as the ether that surrounds your earth. I am not a human being, but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you Orleanians and your foolish police call the axe man. When I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know whom they shall be. I shall leave no clue except my bloody axe, besmeared with blood and brains of he whom I have sent below to keep me company. I'm sorry. It's just a lot, man. What? And That's only like two paragraphs. And we've yeah. got quite a bit more. A lot. Yeah. Full disclosure, a lot of people do not believe. Like a lot of professionals do not think this was the axe, man. I think it was just some dipshit. Really? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I however, guess, but... man, you're committed. That's for sure. Hell the language, yeah, you're committed. <laughs> if you wish, you may tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course, I am a reasonable spirit. I take no offense at the way they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they've been so utterly stupid <laughs> as to not only amuse me, but his satanic majesty, Francis Joseph, etc., but tell them to beware. Let them not try to discover what I am, for it was better that they were never born than to incur the wrath of the axe man. I don't think there is any need of such a warning, for I feel sure the police will always dodge me as they have in the past. They are wise and know how to keep away from all harm. First he calls them stupid, and then he calls them wise. <laughs> wow. Undoubtedly, you Orleanians think of me as a most horrible murderer, which I am, but I could be much worse if I wanted to. If I wished, I could pay a visit to your city every night. At will, I could slay thousands of your best citizens, for I am in close relationship with the angel of death. Now, to be exact, at 12.15, earthly time, on next Tuesday night, March 19th, 1919, I am going to pass over New Orleans. In my infinite mercy, I'm going to make a little proposition to you people. Here it is. I'm very fond of jazz music, and I swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared in whose home a jazz band is in full swing at the time I have just mentioned. If everyone has a jazz band going, well, then so much the better for you people. One thing is certain, and that is that some of your people who do not jazz it, I did not miss a word. He mm -hmm. legitimately said, who do not jazz it on Tuesday night, if there be any, will get the axe. Well, as I am cold and crave the warmth of my native Tartarus, and it is about time I leave your earthly home, I will cease my discourse hoping that thou wilt publish this, that it may go well with thee. I have been, am, and will be the worst spirit that ever existed, either in fact or realm of fancy. The Axeman. Oh. <laughs> Some of it just cracks me up. How are you going to call the police stupid and then call them wise? Oh my gosh. Jesus. So That's, um, that's some dedication if it's not really the axe man right like, that's... i'm saying now okay what do you think happened on march 19th the city was <laughs> in full jazz swing music flowed across the city it was playing in houses dance halls were filled to capacity 
both professional and amateur jazz bands were playing at house parties around town and no one was killed. So, I mean, it okay. was this really a demon from hell and he kept his word or I mean, who knows? Who knows? Now we come to, unfortunately, the next attack on August 10th of 1919, which was Steve Boca. Now, there's not a lot about his attack, and I couldn't really find much about his attack. I did try to dig. Um, He was in bed sleeping, and he woke to find a dark figure standing above him. Then he takes a blow from an axe, survives it, Obviously, he passes out, though. Yeah. Um, And then after coming to, he ran to his neighbor's house, Frank Genusa. These are all Italian names, so I'm really sorry if I'm, like, butchering them. He passed out again, you know, collapsed. Uh, He was treated for his injuries, but sadly, he did not remember anything about the attack. Mm -hmm. Nothing was taken from his home. A panel on the back door had been removed. Same old, same old. And then allegedly, because I only found this in one source, um, on September 2nd of 1919, this person was not on my original victim list because, again, I only found it in the one source. They were a victim, but not a victim. You'll see. The man's name was William Carson, and he was a local druggist, which I took two ways at first. I was like, was he a drug dealer? And I was like, no, more than likely he was a pharmacist. He, in fact, was a pharmacist. A druggist? Okay. We went from apothecary (laughs) to druggist to pharmacist. I like apothecary. It just sounds so much better. Right. But um, William escaped the axe man by firing several shots at him when he broke into his home. He left behind a broken door and an axe. Was it really the axe man or a, was it just a broken somebody? door, not a chiseled door? Exactly. I'm he, he went ham on the door with the axe before he killed him. <laughs> or tried, or not killed him, attacked him, and, sorry. Yeah, intruded. And that's all there was about that. Nothing really happened. Nothing came of huh. it. Um, and then. It just kind of seems because this is the second one that's been like copycat. Yeah, and there's a few. Again, I'll get into it later on. Hmm. So uh, the seventh attack happened on September 3rd of 1919. They described her as a young woman. I don't know how young. Um, I'm assuming at least in her like mid-20s. Mm-hmm. She lived alone. Her name was Sarah Lauman. Um, and she was in her bed sleeping. She lived alone. So her home was locked. The windows were all shuttered. Yeah. And she was unfortunately attacked. Now, the neighbors came to check on her because they hadn't heard from her. They were like, oh, what's going on? So they actually had to break in when she did not answer her door. And they found her in bed unconscious with a severe head injury, missing several teeth. She did suffer a concussion, but she recovered. It's thought that the intruder had entered through a window a bloody axe was discovered on the front lawn of the building she lived in. And that's it. That's like all we know. That's not even... Again, I could not find anything else. The only thing that ties the murders together is the axe because the door wasn't chiseled. Right. She was missing teeth again. So like yep. the other one. Yep. So initially, I thought this was going to be the last attack that I'm yeah. about to tell you about. However, there is some speculation I will try to, like, explain as I go. 
So October 27th of 1919, a man named Mike Pepitone, uh, he had a wife and six kids and he was attacked. So his wife heard noises in their bedroom. And so she went to check. She found Mike covered in blood. He had been struck in the head and the attacker was now fleeing the scene. She wasn't really able to give like a detailed description of the man, only that he was large and had an axe. Again, all these people are saying this is a large man Man carrying an axe. I don't understand how he's getting into their houses. How are you fitting through these panels? Unless unless he's not going through the panels. Unless he's unless it's like a red herring. Like he's taking it off and then unlocking the door and opening it. Like could be. If he leaves out the front door. He can just reach in and relock the door. So, yeah, then people are going to be like, oh, he's just sneaking mm-hmm. in through this tiny little hole. Right. I don't know how big the hole is, but a panel. Probably yeah, probably. I'm imagining it can't be that big. Yeah. So, like I said, most people think that Mike was the last known victim of the axe man. But some people think that this particular attack was actually part of a longstanding vendetta. However, some people think that the Axeman also killed Joseph Spiro and his daughter Alexandria in December of 1920, Giovanni Orlando in January of 1921, and Frank Scalisi in April of 1921. The one source I read said there was, like, police evidence and stuff like that, but I only found it in the one source. I just thought it was interesting and worth Mm. noting. So... About the Giordanos, because again, that was a whole shady business. The Giordanos, you know, kind of mm-hmm. got screwed over a little yeah. bit, a lot bit, a little bit. Mm. Um, so initially going into the Axeman, and I've heard stuff about the Axeman before. I didn't realize it would be like this. Listen, I went to public school in America. Okay, <laughs> do you think I learned about? Any racism, aside from the racism black people have faced. And then even then it was just like, oh, slavery. That's literally all I learned. Did not realize the Italians went through so much. Yeah, they kind of all did. The Irish, the Italian. Anybody that wasn't from, you can't even say America because the people that were in America, it was England. (laughs) It was Britain. If you weren't British, you were different and you sucked. So... My question was, why were the Gretna authorities so quick to assume it was the Giordanos with zero evidence? Uh, It's a long-winded answer, and it does require a bit of a history lesson. Don't worry. I've got it prepared for you. Great. I'm so glad. (laughs) You're welcome for this. So, well before the Civil War began in 1861, Mm -hmm. just going to give you basic dates uh, when needed, Um, There was actually already a well-established Italian business community in the area. So most of the earliest Italian immigrants came from northern Italy. However, in the late 19th century, which if you're like me, you kind of get that confused and your brain tells you 19th century is like 1900s. No, it is 1800. I do the same thing. 1801 to 1900. Just something Which to keep in so your brain. confusing. Yeah. <laughs> like- yes, it is. <laughs> Trust me, it is. But it's something to keep in your brain. So we're talking about 1800s mostly here, okay. before the axe murders. 1800s, got it. So New Orleans wanted a cheap workforce. 
and that brought a huge influx of Sicilians into the area. And that is what brought people like the Giordanos, which, fun fact, little lighten of the mood here, um, Giordano is actually the Americanized version of, so sorry, I'm going to try my best here, Gargliardo. Yeah, um, I tried my best. It's a a toughie. I should know because I used to sing opera and I sang Italian a lot. See, why don't you know? I know, I can't, like that doesn't. But uh, yeah, so that was just a little funny fact, you know, having fun. Um, But (laughs) that need of New Orleans wanting like a cheap workforce, that is what brought people like the Giordano's from Sicily to Louisiana. Mm -hmm. These people that were coming from Sicily, boy, did they make sugar planters in Louisiana very happy because now we're post-emancipation, which the Emancipation Proclamation was like, it it was released January 1st of 1863. So now we're like in the 1860s, it's post-emancipation, and now there's all these Italians. Now, one of these like sugar planters was quoted as saying they are a hardworking, money-saving race and content with few of the comforts of life. I feel so gross saying that, but again, this is yeah. the American South we're talking about yep. in the 1800s. Yep. It gets grosser, don't worry. It can't be any grosser than the owners of the slaves? No, well, Yeah. So by the 1880s and the 1890s, over 80% of the Italian immigrants that were coming into New Orleans were from Sicily. Quite a few of them stayed in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Uh, By 1900, New Orleans had the largest Italian community in the South of about 20,000 people, um, including the children of the Italian immigrants. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, that's for sure. And a lot of them went to work on the sugarcane and cotton plantations, which, mm-hmm. as we know, was a very hard life. But it gave them an opportunity to save money. And if they saved their money the right way, um, in a few years, they could usually leave and go out on their own. And that's how they were starting, like, you know, grocery, grocery stores, stores and, and fruit stands and, and yeah. stuff. Yeah. However... You know, these plantation owners who just yeah. don't want to do any work. They want the money, mm. but they don't want to work yes. for it. Yeah. So um, this is what they had to say about the Italians. Oh. You know, people who are actually working hard and like getting the American dream. Like, mm-hmm. right, this is what America was supposed to be, right? You yeah. come, you work hard, you move up. Yeah, you move up the ladder, you make a better life for yourself. Yes, that is supposed that's, that's so that's what, what they what preach, these, right? Yes, that's what these Italians are doing. Um, and here's what these piece of shit plantation owners have to say <laughs> about it. Um, they didn't like that they couldn't keep the Italians in the field because, quote, in a couple of years, they would have laid by a little money and are ready to start a fruit shop or a grocery store at some crossroads town. Listen, you absolute piece of fucking shit. I get superheated. I'm sorry. <laughs> so by 1900, um, small Italian-owned businesses had popped up all over Louisiana. Unfortunately, this success couldn't protect the Italian immigrants from the American South's racial prejudices. Yeah. So uh, the Italians never actually replaced black labor in Louisiana. They just kind of ended up working 
with black people. Yeah, begrudgingly. <laughs> well, not really, because the Italians really didn't see anything wrong with this. Um, oh, the was, Italians. I thought, oh, sorry, yeah. I thought you were talking about the slave owners. Oh, and I'm no, like, no. yeah, begrudgingly, um, they did. What the fuck? <laughs> but it was also um, stated that, like, the black people also working to try and make a living. Because remember, they're not actually slaves now. Yeah. Legally speaking, they're not. they're not. But I mean, they're not. They're not able to do anything, you know. It was like noted that like the black people that were still essentially being forced to work on these plantations. Yeah. They actually like didn't seem to mind working with the Italians, and they kind of treated them like what's the word? Like much more like informally, much more casually yeah. than they would like treat other like white people. Right. Because yeah. you know they're trying not to die with other white people. Uh-huh. Yeah. However. Though the Italians saw nothing wrong with this whole dynamic, because in their minds, they're just making a better living for themselves. Right. Given the societal standards of the time and given our location, white Americans found it to be uh, quite shameful. The general consensus was, this is the historical context. I'm sorry. I feel gross. Okay. Their willingness to work with black people made them no better than Negroes. Chinese or other non-white groups. So remember, these are Italians we're talking about. So these are white people, but they often were not even considered white. They weren't racist, really. Seemingly. <laughs> Supposedly. The, yeah. However, this whole situation does help explain uh, growing prejudice against Italian immigrants in the late 1870s and 1880s, mm-hmm. um, as the Italians were constantly facing suspicion for like everything they were doing. Um, unfortunately, sometimes they were victims of lynch mobs. Really? Um, yeah, so they were getting like the same treatment as, as black, black people, people, just not as intense. That's um, crazy to think. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I have to say another thing that's not, like, gross, like, the last thing I had to say, but it's just gross because, like, in 1929, Mm -hmm. we're not in the 1870s, 1880s anymore. We are in 1929. So now, this is after the axe murders have taken place. A judge, a New Orleans judge, had this to say about Italians. A thoroughly undesirable character being largely composed of the most vicious, ignorant, degraded, and filthy paupers with something more than an admixture of the criminal element. What? Disgusting. And this is a judge speaking this. Someone who's meant to, like, uphold the law. I mean, this, unfortunately, was the common view of Italians in New Orleans. I had no idea about any of that. No. Shows what they teach in public school, doesn't it? Shows what they teach in school, period. Yeah. So, eventually, the oldest, most decrepit section of New Orleans, the French Quarter. Mm -hmm. uh, You know what what happened to the French Quarter? It's where they um, stuck all of the Italian people. It ended up becoming, like, the Italian neighborhood. Really? The oldest, most decrepit part. You know, Mm because what do we do with people we don't like? So by the early 20th century, so now we're into the 20th century, so many Sicilians had come to live in the French Quarter in this area. It is around the area from like Jackson Square to like 
Esplanade Avenue. Um, this area actually became known as Little Palermo um, because of the amount of like Italian immigrants that were living yeah. there. Hmm. So by 1920-ish, Italians owned and ran, give or take, about half of all the grocery stores in the city. And it, oftentimes, I guess they would, you know, save up money. They would quit working in the fields. They yeah. would start delivering stuff. And mm-hmm. then it was just kind of like the chain they went up, yeah. you know, the they, ladder. They found they found their ladder. <laughs> yeah. And it was that was just like a very common one. And now, you know, they have about half the grocery stores in the city. Unfortunately, again, despite all of this success, they were still dealing with all these crappy stereotypes. Mm-hmm. You know, the same stereotypes that I feel like we still have for Italians. You know, the, everybody. Yeah, we have we have stereotypes for everybody. Oh, yeah. It doesn't it doesn't matter who or where you came from. There is a yeah. stereotype for you. And unfortunately, this tended to be you know like that judge. You know, they're criminals and they're, well, you know, if you're not a white American, like if you're not from America, I guess you're a criminal according to like most people. But Okay, well, that's cool because 90% of criminals are white people, but yeah, you know, I don't know. That's just a statistic statistic in my brain, (laughs) but, but okay, look at all of the serial killers. They were all white. Mostly. Yeah. Almost every single one of ninety percent of them were yeah. white. There's only a few that were not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're um, gonna tell me that these people that come from yeah. overseas, fuck! No wonder they don't want to come here no more, and no exactly. wonder they don't want us over there. Fuck that! Exactly. I don't. I don't blame you. <laughs> look at how we treated them from the second they stepped foot. Okay, but and then like you, you look at us and we go over to like people that transplant to like Japan or Ireland or Britain or, well, I can't say Britain. Never mind. Well, yeah, still Britain. Uh, Italy, Italian, Italy, France. We get, we get like ignored and shafted and people don't like us. Well, I wonder fucking why. I mean, granted, should y'all stop being dicks to American tourists just because they're American? Yeah. But also, do you have any reason to believe we're not terrible racist people? people like right because that's all they see on the news is exactly that we're, yeah any, okay. um anyways ah, fuck history <laughs> so again they they had all these crappy stereotypes you know they're criminals and i'm not trying to victim blame right. it just didn't particularly help their case that a lot of the sicilians that came to america tended to have a distrust of the police Whew. man! I, I don't know how that happened. What? Wonder why? How? So that being said, they tended to settle things the old-fashioned way amongst themselves with banderas. Mm-hmm. Um. So unfortunately, shootings and knife fights were really common. And there's a street, uh, named Decatur Street, that so many shootings and knife fights happened on that it eventually earned the nickname of Vendetta Alley. Mm-hmm. So we need to go to Louisiana because uh, (laughs) freaking hauntings everywhere. That city is so haunted. Oh, yeah. And it it really underneath all the tourism. Yeah. You know, I want to go there for the haunted tourism. Yeah. The cemeteries, the voodoo, the 
that vendetta alley like right right the old buildings all that the plantations holy fuck like See, and i like i want to go for the history too right but i also but I want like non like commercialized yeah haunted stuff like not oh yeah well, I mean, there's some of it. Like, you gotta go to what's her name? Like, Lalori. Lalori's or whatever. Like, I would yeah. go there. Um, She's on my list to cover eventually. And I just, I oof. was, yeah, she's a nightmare and a half. She is a doozy. Um, but yeah, so, you know, uh, Vendetta Alley. <laughs> Us and our tangents. I'm keeping on topic this time, at least. <laughs> y- yes. <laughs> Not about mitochondria, so it's fine. <laughs> Anyways, so um, that is what some people think is what happened with Mike Pepitone. He was, like, stuck in, like, a, a long, drawn-out vendetta. Oh. Um, but who knows? Uh, so now we come to October 15th, 1890. So it, it jumps around a lot, but I try to... The amount of rearranging I had to do to try and make all of this, like... Make sense. Make sense. Um, yeah, yeah. Ridiculous. So, October 15th, 1890. The New Orleans chief of police, David Hennessy, has just arrived home. And he's met with shotgun fire. Whoa. So, as he was dying, he insisted that it was Italians that had shot him. Oh, my God. And that's you know. where this, that's when it all kind of more or less started with like the police not liking them ish kind of ish yeah so um there is i'm about to say some stuff but i clear up some stuff all right all right okay so listen he had recently been involved in a violent dispute between two different italian factions that the press like the newspapers all these reporters are repeatedly calling these two factions the mafia I'm oh. about to clear that up in a couple minutes, okay? All right. So these two factions are the, again, I'm really sorry. These are two Italian names, the Provenzanos mm-hmm. and the Matrangas. No, nothing like saying Italian words with a, an American accent. That, that's not <laughs> Italian. Never mind. That sounds like Dracula. Dracula. <laughs> We're going over there now. I don't know. People just found it so easy to believe. Like, nobody questioned that it was the Italians that killed this police chief, given all the history. <sighs> this gets a little intense. I think I will give a trigger warning because it can... It, I don't know you. I don't know if it can trigger you. A little bit of a trigger warning. Not you specifically, the viewers, listeners, whatever. No, I'm pretty numb to all this Um, shit. I don't care. (laughs) Yeah. Like I do. You know what I mean? I care. Right. But I'm not triggered Um, by it. Exactly. Well, we're not the ones who had to grow up being afraid of it. We can look at it from a place of privilege as two white women. Yeah. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, you're right. So since everybody just took this for fact it was the italians um the police actually arrested several sicilians um (laughs) and random ones or did they like actually (laughs) it didn't say oh my Um, god you'll get your answer in a minute i think so so the intention was that they would be tried in two separate groups but initially 
a large majority of them were acquitted. Go figure. Unfortunately, a mob had stormed the jail. <laughs> you know, we're in the South. Yeah. Um, Bring out your pitchforks. And so, sadly, 11 of the people who had been accused were murdered. Really? Yes. Um, this included some of the people that had actually been acquitted. And some oh of these people God. had been lynched. People who had been acquitted were lynched. And some of the people had not even been tried yet. But, you know, everybody just hated Italians. mentality, man. Yeah. You'd think after hundreds of years we'd grow out of that shit, but we still have mob mentality. Yep. Um, And now I have to switch to my notebook. I stopped rewriting the notes. They were all, like, pretty (laughs) good after this. So You can read your handwriting unlike me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So here's where I clear up the whole mafia thing. Okay. Okay. So there were criminal Italian gangs in New Orleans at this time. Uh, But they were not actually mafia or, like, mafioso. uh, Because according to experts... The Mafia was a form of social organization that developed in Sicily and the south of Italy under very specific circumstances. Um, It was a very organized thing. It wasn't willy-nilly secret organization. All of this stuff that's previously been happening is just not organized. It's willy-nilly. It's just people doing whatever they want. That is not the Mafia. The Mafia are very organized. Yeah, very secret. However... (laughs) There was the Black Hand. So, essentially, the Black Hand was like a petty extortion thing. It was essentially loan sharks. Um, The Black Hand eventually disappeared because descendants of immigrants, the article phrased it as they became Americanized enough to complain to the police. And so, now citizens of New Orleans, listen, (laughs) we're still in the South. Yeah. I'm sure Uh what I'm about to tell you is not going to surprise you. Okay. Uh Um, They tended to um, yeah, maybe exaggerate some stuff. The vendettas, the mafia, because, you know, they're calling these two groups mafia and they're not mafia. And they're also exaggerating, like, the black hand stuff. And actually, the article I read... (laughs) Oh, I get into it. Never mind. It's laying on my notes. Getting ahead of myself. I just saw it here and I was like, oh, I did write it down. So eventually they started using the term like mafia and black hand interchangeably. So when the Axeman attacks were happening, a lot of people thought that it might be connected to like mafia or the black hand. I mean, listen, given how some people reacted to the Axeman attacks, I'm not surprised. Now, do you remember the detective from the first part? Yes. That gave the profile? Yes. His name was John D'Antonio. I did not know this, but he was a nationally known expert on the mafia, and he did not agree. He did not agree that this was anything to do with the mafia or the black hand. He said the black hand wouldn't have left so many people alive um, Mm -hmm. the way that the axe man did. For a lot of people, unfortunately, it just seems like the whole black hand mafia organized crime type of theory was just easier to stomach than some crazy lunatic 
running around axing people or like right. you know a demon from hell well because you can put a name to exactly yeah and if you really look closely at all of the axe man attacks we discussed it a little bit in part one we've discussed it a little bit so far it's clear that some of them were not the axe man um mm-hmm. it it seems that they were kind of just someone taking advantage of the chaos caused by the axe man yeah um, and actually, according to eyewitness accounts, when the Axeman attacks originally began, the Axeman was a white working class man. Um, and the police thought that he was likely an experienced burglar. Go figure. But he never took anything. Did he take stuff from the first string of murders? Or they didn't say? They didn't say. But he, in the first string of murders, you know, originally... He was using, like, a, a railroad chisel thing to, like, break into grocery mm. stores of, oh, like, okay. Italian grocers. Yeah. So, do, do, do. hold on. I might have pulled you and forgot to write something down. <laughs> no. It's, like, one of the last things I wrote down. Okay. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I, my brain's, like, all fuzzy pregnancy brain and, like... Sure. So now we can get into, like, some suspects and stuff. Now that we've answered, why were they so sure it was the Giordano's? Well, because they were racist pieces of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Go big okay. right? But doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, why would another Italian person that's literally doing the same thing as everybody else, opening a grocery store, trying to have their own, you know, their own way in life, start killing their own? people that's how they handled um, yeah but um no apparently it was like a very common thing and i don't know i also don't know who wrote these articles was it Mm -hmm. italians who wrote the articles i was reading or was it like white people i don't know (laughs) so suspects and we're almost done guys (laughs) we are almost done so there was a crime writer named colin wilson he speculated that the Axeman could have been a man named Joseph Monfrey. Now, Joseph Monfrey was shot to death in Los Angeles in December of 1920 by Mike Pepitone's widow. <laughs> Supposedly or allegedly, the Axeman had murdered a man and his daughter in 1920 and then two more people in 1921. People, you know, there was this evidence and stuff that people thought it was the yeah. Axeman. If this were true, that would mean that was not the axe man because right. this man was shot to death in December of 1920. Now, this theory uh, has been repeated by other true crime writers, like in blogs and books, but there is another true crime writer named Michael Newton. And Michael went through New Orleans and Los Angeles public police and court records and newspaper archives, and he found zero evidence of a Joseph Monfrey or anybody who even had a similar name that had been assaulted or killed in Los Angeles. He also could not find any information that Miss Pepitone was arrested, tried, convicted, or was even in California. To be fair, Monfrey, Mumfrey, Names like that were very popular surnames at the time. Mm. And we don't even know if it was actually his widow because some sources named the woman Esther Albano, 
Um, and other sources say simply a woman who claimed to be Pepitone's widow. So we don't know who this woman was for sure. We don't know if it was actually his widow, if it was just some random lady saying it was his widow. We don't even know if this actually happened. <laughs> so Michael Newton basically says that Wilson's theory is an urban legend. He did say there does seem to have been a man named Joseph Momfrey or Mumfrey in New Orleans with a criminal history who may have been connected with organized crime. However, the local records are not extensive enough. So we cannot confirm the theory. We cannot even positively say that this is the same guy because the local records just are not extensive. We have no idea. Now, two of the victims, I'm going to take us back to part one, just real quick here, okay? Two of the victims from the 1911-1912 attacks, the Chiambras, mm-hmm. were shot by the intruder in their home. Now, if that name sounds familiar, the husband survived, mm-hmm. um, but the wife, Mrs. Tony Chiambra, died. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in part one, we went over how they found that, like, weird little chalk message. Yeah. And this is the the toning that they thought that message was referring to. Those police thought that this, yeah. like, chalk message was referring to Mrs. Mrs. Tony Shyamba. Yeah. Now, this attack happened on May 16th of 1912, and... The newspaper articles from this time, from this attack, kept calling the prime suspect Momfrey. However, the MO was totally different because these two were shot. They yeah. were not, like, axed or anything. They weren't, like, didn't have their throats cut. Right. They were shot. But according to a scholar named Richard Warner... The chief suspect of these crimes was a man named Frank Doc Mumfrey. He was born 1875, died 1921, and he did use the alias Leon Joseph Monfrey or Manfrey. So if that's true, then the Axeman, as the other police in part one suspected, had been at it for, for quite a while. while. If that's true, then there possibly could have been more. But we don't have enough information to confirm or deny this. We still don't know. (laughs) That's it. We still do not know who the Axeman was because the attacks just started one day and then they just randomly stopped. And they have not picked back up again since. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. And so, you know, a lot of people were, like, scared because of the letter. So, right, you know, a lot of people were like, what? Ah! I mean, um, a lot of people were just attributing it to mafia, black hand, yeah. all that stuff. But if you, like, look at Police Chief Mooney from the first part, mm-hmm. you know, the one that Lil Miss mistress uh, because she thought he like had let her marital status out the bay you know and it's even said he tried to tell the gretna um authorities 
he does not think it's like anything to do with the Italian, like the organized crime or anything like that. He agreed with Detective D'Antonio. Yeah. Um, that it was just some like lunatic. I'm and, on like, that side. Yeah. It's just a lunatic. On the fun, not so fun side, though, I mean, like, maybe it really was just a demon from hell who just came to have a little funsies, you know? (laughs) But, yeah, we literally have no clue. We are absolutely no closer today than we were when the attacks happened to finding out. So, like, researching it or probably not? I think, if anything, it's just, like, true crime people. Yeah. Which... Listen, true crime people have solved cases before. Yeah. However, I don't see the axe man being solved. Um, there's not there's a, just, enough. Evidence. Yeah, there's the only too act. much and not enough and just too much yeah. going on. and it's all over the place. Yeah. Of course, there clearly was a copycat or an opportunist yeah. um, taking advantage of the chaos the that these attacks yeah. was taking or uh, was creating. Like I said, the some people do believe that like Mike Pepitone was part of a longstanding vendetta, like he had beef with another yeah. person, and they they decided to handle it the old fashioned way and not go to the police. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Shit. All right. Well, that was a good first two part story. Don't worry, it will not be the last. Oh, I'm not. I know it won't be. Fun times. Yeah, I just wish we, like, knew who it was or, like, had more information. I would, Yeah, it just feels so, well, obviously, it's not solved, so it's not finished. But it just, like, you're just kind of left out there. Yeah. Like. it's You're just, like, left in, like, the middle of the desert or something. Like you're Now just, I'm just going to sit here and wonder for the rest of my life who was the Axeman. Um, <laughs> listen, uh, me being me, um, and I want to take, like, the least racist approach to the situation i want to say it was a demon from hell yeah i mean grant it's still kind of racist because my guy why'd you only go after like italians mostly but i don't know crazy shit i told you it was a wild wild one yeah for sure and then let's see how many pages of notes total did i have oh probably half a notebook at this point (laughs) maybe so just loose leaf paper I had one, two, three, four, five. Oh my god! Six, <laughs> seven, eight, nine pieces of loose leaf paper. Most of them double sided. So we can double that to eighteen. <laughs> and then wait, you oh, said nine, sorry. right? Yeah. Okay. I was like, am I going to sound like an idiot and be like, yeah, 19 when she said And then basically another double-sided and almost another full page. So, like, add three more to that. 21 pages of notes. You're insane. I could have done so much more research. I just... It was a lot already. Yeah. It would have been, like, a whole, like, four to five-part fucking series of both. Yeah, it would have been a lot. But I'm really glad that I decided to dig deeper on the Giordano's case because that brought me, like, a lot of information that I never probably would have learned about otherwise. Mm -hmm. I probably never would have known, like, the extent that – because, I mean, like, you know, right? Like, you know, Chinese people and other, like, non-white people. Right. 
we're like treated so poorly, but like you just don't think of it like with Italians and like even the Irish. It's just like weird to think because like well, you know, like how like up in Boston for sure, like Boston, New York, the the Irish and the Scottish and. Uh, the Italians had beef, but that was mostly because of their their mafias and their clan. Well, right, stuff. and like I don't know, as like a white Southern American, like how do you look at another white person and be like, "You're not white"? Well, because you you have an accent. Well, yeah. And you're not speaking. You they probably didn't speak perfect English. Yeah, probably not. They're coming from like They're straight coming from, from Sicily. And, yeah, yeah, it just it it blows my mind that mm. people's brains can work like that. I'm glad. I'm glad my brain doesn't work like that. I don't know how to end this fucking episode. Um, <laughs> good luck getting the axe man out of your head. Yeah. Have fun sleeping, y'all. I don't know. That's going to be our new catchphrase. Have fun. Have fun sleeping, y'all. Thanks for coming on this really fucking wild ride with us. Thanks I feel like we're enjoying a history lesson. Right. I feel like we say that every episode so Dude, far. So my one friend... Um, that like had listened she's only had a chance to listen to the first episode so far but I was like what do you think and she was like it felt like a history lesson that I was wanting to do the assignment for and I was like (laughs) she liked it I was like okay thank you fantastic you like the history lesson good because you'll get plenty of them well yeah I mean I feel like you kind of have to do some history if you're doing any type of true crime or ghosts you gotta you gotta set the stage like right and i feel like especially with cases like the axe man it's really important to understand the context Mm -hmm. because otherwise like i would have just been like oh yeah they just arrested the giordanos and you know there's no evidence except her word but like ah yeah i think that was like really important to understand the context of that yeah no because like it kind of makes more sense other than these cops just suck. Why? <laughs> their because job. Like, they're just because they're just arresting random fucking people the right, whole and time and for no reason. Exactly. Just, Except for the for the brother because he had the the, right, the barber like shop, the, the blade like, and everything. Yeah, that, that was his blade. That's a, but the rest of them are just like mm, you. <laughs> uh, you look one, good. Yeah, but even that one was kind of iffy because that was literally the only evidence they had against him besides the fact. True. You know, he was right next to them and didn't hear the murder, but like, or the intruder or whatever. But I'm still like crazy, like, about these axes. I just, <sighs> well, yeah, and that's like a big thing. Like, people have always because been, where like, are these axes at? Well, exactly. That's like a big thing that people have like consistently talked about. It's like, so he was just like walking into houses hoping they had a fucking axe. Like, yeah, how do you know for sure they had an axe? So what and I, I had feel to happen, he either he had to was go going around the blind house. and just being like, well, we'll see if they've got an axe. Or he was watching them and knew they had an axe. Right. Both are equally creepy. Yes, for real. But then, too, like, if you have an axe, did you have a shed? Or do they have a basement that, you know, they're keeping these in some of these places were apartments. You're just going to keep an axe laying in your kitchen? Like, I, I mean. Even if you have to, like, cut firewood and stuff like you would have like outside right the one apartment had like a or the one house had like the axe found on the back porch like yeah so like is that where the axe was and you saw it and then you took it into the house or was already in the house right and like you found it inside that and i still don't understand how they're like well it was their axe 
what if they just didn't have an axe? Like, was it was it typical? I don't know. Stuff that I don't know. Yeah. Everybody just had an axe in the 90s. Well, maybe it was, like, also neighbors, like, identifying, like, oh, yeah, I saw them using that axe often. But, like, for all what, All the axes though? look the same. They all have a wooden pole connected to an axe head. Right. Yeah. They're not, they're not like the ones we got now that are fucking all made out of metal. And this one's got an orange grip and that one's got a brown grip and that's got a leather handle. And these were fucking probably really simple. And considering that these people were probably on the poor end still, they're not going to go out and buy Hot Notch X. Like they're going to go buy what gets the job done. Yeah. That's that's no, it's yeah. Anyway. Wild case. Um, Lots of things to think about. Lots of questions that will probably never be answered. Exactly. Have fun pondering (laughs) questions that we will never know the answers to. to. Well, anyways. (laughs) Anyways. Thanks for uh, listening. Part two of the Artsman. Follow us on our social medias. Twitter, Instagram. Email us. Stories, suggestions, comments, concerns. <laughs> Critiques, love, not love. I don't know. Whatever. We'll there's read them. Tree. Um, yeah, link there's tree a link on tree and, that takes and I put it on Twitter too. Good. Good. In our description on Twitter, it has the drop down for all of the um, podcast sites we're on. And then underneath the drop down is like a little mail icon, and you can click on okay. that. So. I did make a TikTok also, um, but it what was. What the fuck are we going to do with that? I'm excited. <laughs> Um, wonky. I might have to maybe like delete it and try and remake it. It was like not letting me um, do stuff on. I don't know if there's like a, a waiting period. I don't know. I'll keep trying. I'll figure it out. Weird. Join I'm old. Us. I don't know how TikTok ah. works. Come back on Friday for you're gonna get another murder case on Friday, a true crime case on Friday this week too. I have an idea for crimes. a little palate cleanser after both of these. Me and Jess will talk. Sweet. All right. Have fun, ghouls. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.